everyone, this is Alexandra Perry, and you are listening to Investing After Hours, a Wealth Daily podcast. Joining me today is Shidan Garan, the CEO and President of the Global Blockchain Technologies Corporation. How are you, Shidan? Very good. Thanks very much, Alexandra. I'm really excited that you took the time to talk to us today because you are coming from a blockchain space that a lot of people might not be as familiar with in the wake of the digital currency boom. I usually like to kick off the podcast by having our guests tell listeners a bit about themselves and what they do and what brought you to where you are today. So what is your background and why did you decide to start Global Blockchain Technologies Corporation? Sure. So my my, my background is in technology. I've I've been in technology for uh, over 25 years now. Mostly it's it's, it's been in the networking and and, uh, media space. Around 2010, I, I discovered uh, Bitcoin, and actually one of my, my developers was, was already mining Bitcoin in a, in, a, in a company that I had that was a software development company. He, he, he gave me some of those, and uh, you know, before you knew it, uh, the, the price of those went from $0.05 cents to $300, so I, I was quite happy, and uh, I've been uh, in the space since, and I've, I've, I've been an early investor in the space as far as uh, both companies and uh, various digital assets go. I imagine that must have been phenomenal to, to look back and see these things that were five cents grow to be $300. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I never took it that seriously. I, I think I think from when I first discovered it, which was actually a bit, bit earlier than that, I, I, I saw the white paper on, on the Peer-to-Peer Foundation website where, where it was originally released. I, I thought the idea was good. I, I didn't think it was going to work for uh, money. And actually, a, a few years before that, um, one of my friends was a, a VC, a, a very well-known VC in Canada, and he uh, he approached me and said, "This company is, uh, you know, pitching a solution for uh, preventing spam for email." And uh, that's when I first learned about proof of work because that that was the group that, that created proof of work, which is the underlying. Uh, uh, part of the underlying consensus mechanism for for um, for Bitcoin and and most blockchains, the the idea was that before you send an email out, you 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 have to prove that you've done a certain amount of work, and that that would deter uh, spammers from actually sending out spam because it would would, would cost them money, and that's that's really where the the core of where Bitcoin started, and that was in 2006. I I thought it was a you know an idea that that, that wouldn't work, but it, it actually led me to thinking if, if money was was much more open and, and more programmatic, you could actually attach money, a tokenized version of money, to an email and send it out and, and prevent spam in, in that fashion. And that was a fleeting thought I had, you know, this, this was to be in around 2006. And then, of course, in, you know, 2009, 2010, I saw that this, became money. It, 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 it became a form of community money, and it just kept growing and growing and being taken more and more seriously. So it's interesting to me that you say, you know, your first experience with Bitcoin, you didn't assign a lot of value to it, um, which I think a lot of people kind of feel that way about Bitcoin now in the wake of so many new technologies entering the market. But you must have seen, and as you've noted, like the value of blockchain technologies. And how did you take that value that you saw and use it to build the company? Well, the the, the first blockchain project that I that I started was around 2011, and it was a uh, alternative to DNS based on blockchain technologies. I, I I definitely did see the value of the technology right away. 
And that, that project didn't really go far, although when one of the developers of that project ended up doing something in, in that space that became quite successful. Um, that was really my, my, my first foray into a project in this space, and I realized that, that it's quite difficult to find uh, good human re resources and staff who, who can really understand the material and, and absorb it. it was, it's very much like where the internet was in, uh, you know, let's say 1992, 1993. Global blockchain itself, how we came to be was that uh, myself and one of my friends, who was also a very early investor in the space, he was actually my, my, one of my closest business partners, we, we thought of and we, we knew so many people that had tokens, you know, many tokens, wheels as they call them in, in the space, and, and we knew how difficult it was for new entrants to buy these tokens, going through all the processes for signing up on exchanges and the hassles that come with that. We thought, what if we create some sort of fund where we put in a basket of cryptocurrencies? It, it um, benefits you know, our, our friends and long-term holders in this space because it gets more liquidity, obviously, right away. And it benefits the uh, retail consumer because they don't have to go through the hassles of, of starting up an account and you know, learning about the space, how to configure a wallet or anything like that, and, and they get exposure to cryptocurrencies right away. So that's, that's really where um, Global Blockchain started from. And when, when one of our friends who was in the capital markets, you know, said that they were, they, they had knowledge of a private equity firm that, that was listed that, that could be cheap to potentially turn around and, and, and turn it into this kind of vehicle, we pursued that. Of course, we, we realized over time that there's a, a lot of difficulties and red tape and regulatory issues with, with starting a uh, passive fund of that nature. But we were still very intrigued and, and interested in, in uh, doing something in, in the capital markets in this space. And this is before we'd actually heard of anybody else doing it. And uh, we, we decided to do what, what the company was, which was a private equity company. So we're like, okay, well, let's, let's turn this into an uh, incubator and uh, essentially a, a venture capital company for, for um, the blockchain space. And that's what Global Blockchain is today. It's, it's an incubator of various blockchain projects. So maybe to help put this in more familiar terms for our investors, I feel like at this point a lot of the people that have come to us with questions, they ask about specific projects. You know, we have Tron, Ethereum, you know, any, any blockchain project out there. What would you guys do to, or basically, what would you guys provide for a company that said, hey, like, we want to launch, um, what do we need before we get there? Yeah, so you know, we we are uh, building our own infrastructure blockchain as well. It's it's called uh, the the laser blockchain, and and the tokens will, will be called photons. Actually, the the public sale for that, or or the private accredited sale, I'd say, will be starting in in about a week. And and the truth is, I mean, by themselves, just launching a platform, a blockchain, I don't really see that much value in it in the, in the long run. They're, they're very, very easy things to fork. They're, they're very easy things to copy and run. What really um, is interesting is, is social networks adopting uh, virtual currency and using tokens for access and, and things like that. When I say social networks, I don't mean online networks like Facebook. I mean networks of any interacting users. When, when you have established ones that, that adopt a community currency or an access token of some kind, you can't fork that because you can't fork that community, right? So again, going back to Facebook, because Facebook is certainly a social network and, you know, in one of the largest online social networks. I mean, obviously the largest, actually. And 
if if Facebook came out with a token that that was based on blockchains, you know, people can fork it, people can do other stuff with it, but they can't bring Facebook on with it. Uh, who 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 would accept their version, therefore, uh, something akin to a to a legal tender uh, token in their community. So I think I think building the community is much more important, and it's still really about users. It's not about building technology. So global blockchain is really focused on on that. Uh, you know, that's 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 one of our mantras, really, and 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 it's something we really follow. So one of our projects community of, of gamers. So we've, we've approached a few gaming companies, and now in total we're, we're in talks with 12 of them, who together, these are esports companies, game manufacturers, uh, producers, I mean, and uh, social networks for games. Together as, as, as a group, they have 400 million users. So you, you now introduce a token in this community that they all accept. So from, from one game to another, you can use it within, within their platforms, within their games. To, to buy, you know, the various digital assets within their games, and then you can use it on another platform. You can earn it inside the games. You can earn it for participating on their social networks. Uh, that that becomes a really powerful thing. That 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 becomes a token that's now used by a community of 400,000 that can't be forked again, right? So, those are the kinds of projects we're looking at. Another area where we're looking at is, you know. Big brands that, that, that have a big following, that, that, that have something akin to a royalty stream, like a, a revenue stream. And, you know, as, as a concrete example, let's take an artist. If, if an artist can securitize one of their songs or one of their games, a, a production house can, can securitize it, and, and you could offer, um, you know, a, a revenue stream to as low as a $1 unit that, that a person has purchased in it, that's, that's, that's a powerful thing. So... You know, cryptocurrencies are also useful from that perspective. Blockchains are also useful from that perspective that they make the capital markets, you know, much more global. They make the globe a lot smaller. Everything is a lot more interconnected as far as the capital markets go. And it allows you to audit things very uh, cheaply compared to today at a fraction of the cost. So you, you can actually sell a unit as small as, let, let's say, 10 cents. Well, not 10 cents, but let's say a dollar and uh, still give out a revenue stream, and, and it, the, the money's there, and it's worthwhile for, for the issuer to actually do that, right? That, that's not possible today with in, in the capital markets, really. So it, it's, it's also, you know, I, I said social networks. That's one aspect of it. Another aspect is that, it, that it, it allows you to create markets very easily from those networks, and, and it will revolutionize the capital markets because of that reason. Um, you know, in, in enterprise, again, a, a, a social network, I mean, what's more social than, than doing business than transferring money in the first place? You have, uh, you know, trade finance, which I think can be completely, and the supply chain, that can be completely disrupted by this technology. So, you know, right, right now, if, if you want to account and audit for even just one organization, it's very hard. You, you usually take a small sample and base your, your uh, outcomes and, and, and your analysis on, on that small uh, test. And now what blockchains allow you to do is get a much bigger view of, of the state of everything. They, they automate things to a much larger degree, and they allow you to, to interconnect ledgers of various parties who are independent of each other. So you know exactly what's going into everything, where everything is going, 
for trade finance and the supply chain and ports, this is a big deal. That's another project that the global blockchain is doing in-house, is developing a trade finance supply chain solution with uh, a number of state actors and, and uh, ports involved. I feel like you just hit on a lot of huge points about where this market is going, and that's actually the main topic that I wanted you to talk about. You have uh, spent a great deal of time in the financial space and have a lot of experience dealing with a wide range of assets. I think bringing that experience into this young market has a lot of value in understanding it. I was really excited to talk to you about the future of the blockchain market today, and I've kind of isolated many of the anxieties that people have about this market into three questions. Are you ready for them? Absolutely. Okay. So the first big one is, I think, the one that's on everyone's mind right now during market crashes and um, any kind of turbulence, and that is, will the digital asset market survive? In the end, do you think more investors will engage with blockchain through digital assets or through the public blockchain companies? I think uh, eventually it will be mostly through the digital assets. And I, I, I now think original idea of creating a ETF-like structure for, for cryptocurrencies is actually a bad idea. I'm, I'm very glad that, that we were able to shift and position ourselves very early on to, to be a incubator and, and, and a VC in this space. Because that's, that's you know, the, the real money is in developing the businesses that eventually have revenue streams. It's not in holding assets that are, you know, highly speculative. You don't know if they'll be here tomorrow and if they won't. What, what will be here are cryptocurrencies, are tokens, without a doubt. And, and those will change the world. So what, what I'd like to think of global blockchain as is, you know, and, and, and the opportunity, what we're betting on is that because of cell phones, uh, people can now have thousands and thousands of currencies in their wallet because their cell phone becomes their wallet, essentially. And also because of cell phones in the cloud, point-of-sale machines, cash registers essentially, can handle thousands and thousands of currencies. The, the world having one currency does not work. It, 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 we, we're seeing that today. You know, There's no reason why Germany and Greece, for example, should have the same currency. They're, they're very different economies. And because of that, I mean, I mean if, if, if you look at that and generalize it, Municipalities can have their own currency. Each community can have their own currency. A, a service provider who pre-sells their service as a token is creating essentially a, a kind of currency because it's liquid and people can use it. So there's going to be many, many things like this out there, and they'll represent many communities, businesses, and services. And that's what we're really betting on. We're not, we're not betting on any single currency. And if, if you look at it from that perspective, look at a company like Coinbase, for example. It's, it's signing up more customers at a much faster rate than, than uh, Charles Schwab is. Look at uh, Robinhood, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's an example of, of, of a business that's embracing uh, cryptocurrencies because so many millennials are into it now. Millennials trust cryptocurrencies and blockchains more than they do the traditional capital markets today. Look, look at how much in, institutional money is coming into this space. The space is just starting. It might look very different in two years than it does today. If, if you looked at coin market cap, actually, like, you know, six years ago, the list looked completely different. The, the only two uh, items that, that, that you would recognize, actually, let's say five years ago, would, would have been um, Litecoin and, and, and uh, Bitcoin on, on, on the first page. Everything else looked, looked completely different. Most people that are getting into cryptocurrencies today, for example, haven't heard of PureCoin or, 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 or any of the others that, that were top coins just as much as Ethereum or, or you know, uh, are today, right? 
So the, the space is going to change a lot. It's a very volatile space. Some people are going to make a lot of money speculating on these cryptocurrencies, and many, many people are going to lose a lot of money speculating on these cryptocurrencies. But at betting that, that they, they are the future of how commerce is done, and there's going to be many, many currencies out there and programmable money, and, and that building businesses around this is important, is, is a very solid and good bet. It's the way the world is going. So here's a question for you. You know, we have digital currencies, which are things like Bitcoin, or, you know, if we have a token that operates within a blockchain to provide a currency to that service. Um, like, those, those are currencies. They have values in those blockchains. But I think there's also a group of digital assets that are really not so much a new currency in any way. They're more of a security. They're um, something that people are buying with the expectation that it's going to increase in value or the hopes that it will. And I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on whether you see those kind of digital assets as an extension of just today's market. Are they anything revolutionary or are they just a new breed of venture capital? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's both. So, you know, just, just first of all, just, just because something satisfies the Howey test doesn't mean it's, it's, it's a security. Even if it satisfied most of the points, in the Howey test. Um, one thing you have to keep in mind is something is very decentralized and there's really no uh, central group that, that, that has control over it, then even, even if there is an expectation of it increasing in value and whatnot, it's, it's not a security. That's, that's something that the FTC will leave in effect to. So, um, you know, it, it, it really depends on who's selling it. It's, you know, being run by a network majority it's not a security, and it's not something that anybody is really interested in in, uh, in regulating, apart from you know controlling it from an AML, KYC, and and uh, state risk perspective, right? So, again, cryptocurrencies. I think one of their main points is that they completely revolutionize the capital markets. It allows a kid who, or, or I, should, I should say, maybe an engineer in Shenzhen who who makes one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year, but doesn't, but can't really, uh, you know spend that money outside of the country very easily. I mean, coming here, opening up a brokerage account, getting access to the capital markets in North America is, is a difficult thing. He, he'll actually have to fly over here and do all that just, just as much as we would if we, if we wanted to really invest in, in China or, 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 or do it through a third party who has those connections. So what, what it allows a person like that to do is to invest in North America quite easily and again, makes makes it a very uh, global uh, market. It 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 really removes the need for for you know, or changes the whole landscape of over the counter capital markets. And I think it's 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 going to have some real great positives and some real great negatives. Obviously, the 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 negatives will be that you know uh, an area that's already very ripe with with uh, scams is 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 going to have a lot more of them, and they're going to be more global in reach. So it, it will be very difficult to uh, to gain, regulate, and, and enforce uh, laws against that. But at the same time, because it's it's going at internet speed, reputation will be very easy to determine, and and people will be able to evaluate things quite fast compared to what they they they, they can do today. Right? It's not like like the 1920s with you know you you getting some flyer and having nowhere to go and get an opinion on these things. There, there, there'll be forums, there'll, there'll, there'll be community management, community policing, and, you know, self-regulating by the exchanges and whatnot, hopefully, that, that, that will, um, you know, give, give people a lot more knowledge, a lot more transparency than, than was the case in the past.
you, you can do things with, with crowd sales smart contracts. You can say that, you know, we're, we're going to program that money gets vested to, to the company over a period of time, and, and it has to be done by vote of all the uh, shareholders, right? This wasn't something easy to implement in the capital markets. It'd actually be completely prohibitive. But with, with smart contracts, you can build solutions like that. You can say, you know what? We'll have a period of time where uh, anybody can ask a smart contract for a refund after they've, they've invested in a crowd sale. These, these, these are things that, that weren't possible before. So, um, as I said, I think, I think it's going to make things a lot more efficient than they are today. It's going to make things a lot more global. And there is negatives to that and positives. And I, I, I do believe that the positives really outweigh the negatives in this case. Um, if you were to look at the space and say maybe five years from now, where would you guess that we would be? Five years from now, I, I think you would have more uh, applications, many, many more applications than, than uh, the current speculation. Right now, for example, even, even our stock to a large degree is trading with, uh, with the cryptocurrency market. I think that's going to stop. I think, I think what's going to happen is that this market will evolve to being the capital market to the future. And I think five years from now, you're definitely going to see a lot more of that. It's going to be a lot more obvious to everybody. And, and you're going to have currencies, apart from the capital markets and their use of securities, that have all kinds of uses as, as access tokens for APIs, for various services. I think you're going to see a lot of loyalty schemes that, 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 that will be uh, blockchain-based. I think for sure things like Starbucks and, and Amazon points and whatnot will, will be blockchain-based and tradable. And I think, I think we're just going to approach that world more that I described where, where you know, your, your wallet's going to be your cell phone and you're going to have many, many assets in there, some of them fiat currency, some of them other kinds of digital assets that, that, that are still tradable and very liquid. I'll, I'll just add one more thing. So I, I, I also think you're going to see a lot more uh, smart contracts being used for commerce. So as, as I described, smart contracts that are very sophisticated, very, uh, you know, um, different and disruptive for raising money, smart contracts for escrowing things, and all, all kinds of business processes are, are going to be built as smart contracts, I think, in the next five years. Those are some good predictions. I will also, I think there's a lot of anxiety right now in this market because many people have grasped the fact that this is a change in the way we look at finance and kind of a, I like to think of it as the falling of borders in a way. Because like you said, like this empowers people to pursue capital markets without borders as if, you know, we're not, we don't have to deal with multiple currencies anymore. And um, there are a lot of benefits to that, but there are also some challenges that this market has to face to get there. And I was wondering, what are some of the challenges that you see in the blockchain space? And how do you see this market maturing past those challenges? Yeah, so I mean, I mean you know, I think the technology has a long ways to go. And, and we're one of the companies that I think are working on that. There's many great companies and minds working on this problem. Right now, these are, these are all very much uh, bare instruments. If, if you lose your key, you lose your, your, your assets. I think that's going to change. I think you're going to evolve these blockchains to be much more... Uh, uh, rich voting mechanisms built into them and, and, and fail-safe mechanisms for things like that. And, and another thing to realize is blockchain technologies are really about governance more than anything. They're, they, they are about voting. They are about achieving consensus. They, they, they will have huge impacts from that perspective. And I think the, the biggest problem right now is it's, it's very new and people are very eager and excited by it. We're, we're very deep in the hype cycle, and I think it's going to get 
worse before it gets better from that perspective. Before uh, the, the value really matches what's out there, things are going to get very, very much inflated. And I think the, the few companies that, that stay after are the ones that are, that are actually doing anything really substantial. And I, I, think, I think it's going to resemble the Internet bubble really more, more, more than anything. Right now you have all kinds of projects coming out and people are just throwing money at them. And even now, in this bear market, that's, that's still the case, if you look from the institutional side, from the VC side. And I think uh, out of all this, you're just going to have a very small handful of companies that are going to come out and be real uh, you know, global disruptors and, and really change the face of everything as far as electronic commerce goes. Do you think that regulation and the traditional markets still have their roles to play in this blockchain space? I know there's a lot of... Um concern over the SEC, you can see the market react to the SEC stepping in and saying, you know, we're going to start to regulate, just like we have done to the traditional space for so long. And I've talked to people that are of the opinion that, you know, they'll regulate to the extent where they can't anymore, um, and those that say that this kind of regulation is needed to protect investors. Yeah, so regulators are, are very slow-moving, um, you know, inefficient organizations, in my opinion. And right now, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm sure each SEC lawyer is dealing with, you know, thousands of cases. And uh, I think it'd be time better spent for them to actually use these technologies and adopt them to make their lives easier so that that one agent can handle, you know, tens of thousands of clients at the same time, yet have a lot more time on their hands to, to be more diligent and, 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 and do more with it. Right. So I think I think it can bring a lot of efficiencies to their business. And that's what they should be really concerned about. I think I think the, the, the global nature of it and just the geopolitical climate is, is, is going to make it very prohibitive to to uh, really regulate it unless they catch up with the technology as well and start implementing it and actually move the capital markets. The whole uh, industry gets moved more towards you know realizing that this is how things are going to progress. It's going to be a uh, very global market. And uh, it, it will be blockchain-based, let's base tools and standards that, that fit the needs of regulators and, and protect investors, right? Add features to, to, to blockchains to, to, to make them, you know, not um, the, the opposite of being bearer instruments, of being, um, you know, things, things that can be very easily tracked, yet, you know, let's, let's build a system where, where, where you don't need a transfer agent, where you don't really need a clearinghouse, where it's much easier to plug a stream of transactions into an AI engine and, and analyze things where you can get a much bigger picture of exactly how the money is dispersed everywhere. And, you know, this is what blockchain technologies can bring to the industry and uh, can bring to regulators as far as being a tool. So I, I don't think they'll be very successful in regulating it. And I think, I think instead of doing that, you know, in, in, in the way that they are today, I think instead of doing that, they, they should be moving the, the capital markets to really adopt these technologies at a faster rate so that they can be more efficient and help people more. I think you're right. I, um, my final question actually kind of centers very much around what you just said, and that's, you know, we're looking at the progress that has happened with blockchain technologies and how this has opened the door to so many companies that otherwise probably would have struggled under the more traditional equity model. And that is not saying that, you know, because I'm sure a lot of the companies out there have taken advantage of this very efficient and easy way to reach investors um, to, you know, produce scams and to execute fraudulent initial coin offerings. 
but it seems like the benefits are so great that now that people have been exposed to them, there's no going back. There isn't a way that regulators could close the door on this technology, and I wanted to get your opinion on that, because I know a lot of people are worried, you know, is Big Brother going to sweep in and just, you know, end the party for everyone? Yeah, and I, I, I think, I think those are those are valid fears. I think, I think at the end of the day, you know, we're we're, we're reaching a juncture where where people have to realize the world's a lot smaller than than it was before. If you have, you know, a, a bunch of guys in East Europe who put up a website and and do an ICO on something that means nothing, and you know, they 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 raise, let's say, you know, ten million dollars, and and you multiply that by a thousand, you know, every uh, few years. Then, then the no regulator can really do anything about that outside of uh, you know things that happen really outside their borders that easily. That's that's not where we're at as far as uh, politics go. You know what what they have to I think understand is we we have to move to a world where where we're not so much saying what you can't do, but saying hey look we we have this alternative system that's also blockchain based that gives you a lot more security gives you. Uh, a lot more transparency gives you some assurances that you're not dealing with a scammer, and, and we encourage you to use this, right? So I think I think I think in a in a really fair world, you'll have two parallel systems running next to each other. Cash is a very expensive thing, and it's used mostly by criminals today. You're not going to get rid of that because even if you get rid of cash and make it completely digital, make it completely transparent, traceable, and and easy to analyze, which you should. Right, because society needs protection. You're not going to get rid of that because, you know, alternative currencies can be easily created now that these technologies exist. Instead, what you have to do is recognize that sometimes there is a need to have a system that's like that. Right? For for example, if if you're in a country that that persecutes uh, religious minorities, maybe for them to have the the ability to to move their money and you know flight of capital and all that is is it's a good thing, right? So I think I think a good democracy would realize that there always will be a need for for a sliver of uh, of having uh, people able to you know move their money around, move their capital around very easily outside of control, and at the same time a very mainstream system where where things are are you know very much in control, so you can protect investors, so you can pr- protect consumers and commerce and all of that. You need, you need kind of both running at the same time and recognize that, that you're not going to get rid of, uh, you know, any criminal element through um, regulating it and, and living in a minority world type of, uh, you know, uh, framework, which is what we really have today. And I think, uh, I think that's how hopefully things will evolve, right? For a long time, people, people thought that, that, you know, things are going to get very centralized because, you know, they'll, they'll be able to get rid of money and regulators and create a very, uh, you know, a system that, that's very much accounted for from, from a government perspective. But as we see, there, there, always, there always will be a pushback. And, and with these technologies, the ability to create community currencies always exists. That's not going to go away. That, that's, uh, you know, that's out of the bag today, and, and it's here to stay. And I think, I think regulators have to recognize that and governments and really work with it and create systems that, you know, enable both. Having you on the podcast has been a really awesome experience because actually you're the first public blockchain company that we've ever spoken to on the podcast. So that, that's cool. You also brought a lot of very unique perspectives about 
where this market is going and, you know, how all these factors play together to hopefully build a better future for not just investors, but anyone that wants to participate in an equity project. I wanted to know, do you have any closing comments for listeners, um, either about global blockchain technologies or just where you see this going? Um, because I really think right now that's, that's what people are looking for. They're looking for comments from people that have exposure to the space that kind of know where, where we are. Yep, I mean, Global Blockchain has some very amazing projects this summer, and I think we're, we're, we're going to see some results even starting uh, in Q3 now and, and definitely in Q4. And uh, I, I invite everybody to, to, you know, contact me and, and look more into what we're doing and, and uh, join us on the ride. Well, Shidan, thank you so much for talking to us today and for taking time out of your schedule to just, you know, get all this out there. <laughs> Thanks very much, Alexander. Really appreciate it. Okay, to everyone that's listening, you can always, as always, you can find all the information about global blockchain technologies below um, at the bottom of this podcast, and I will include any information that Shidan wants to share with us in that blog post as well. Good night, everyone.